0: For, we we haven't formally started, I guess, right?
1: No, oh, no. no, and we're not going to use the video. We're just we it's just easier to talk sometimes when we can see people. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we it's it's and audio. It like I can volume. barely I can barely do audio. I'm not going to start adding video to the <laughs> repertoire at this point.
2: Oh, I, I thought you'd be okay. getting into like 3D video for your podcast by now. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a different a different thing.
2: How is it in California today,
0: Michael? Rainy, and we need it. It's really good that we've got rain coming in. Yeah, yeah. We're we're officially in a drought, and with the fires in California that we had last year and oh, the year before, yeah. it's just, we need so much rain. The fires are creeping into places that people never worried about. Every everyone felt so protected, like oh yeah, there's a fire department in the next town or or you know down the sure. street or whatever. But boy, it's it's kind of lethal. It's it's scary. And Did I guess, it ever
2: get close to you or your studio?
0: No, and I do live across the Golden Gate Bridge in Marin County, which basically is woodsy. It used to just be, right. I mean, it, it's just kind of rolling hills of fir trees, and I don't know if you guys have you guys been out
1: here.
2: It's been a while.
1: I've I've been out there three times. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, I think last time I was out Actually, there was for you, Donovan, for the the yeah. uh,
1: conference. Technically four, but I think I was like two years old the first time I went, and I I remember like zero
2: of that. <laughs> Doesn't count. That was before the trees were planted. Uh, Maybe so
1: it might have been. That was. <laughs> right,
2: right, right.
1: Um, we lost
0: electricity out here not too long oh. ago for you know just a, like a day. And and at night, kind of, I went outside and we're up kind of high. So I've got a decent view and looking out over the hills. And it was so cool to see no house lights anywhere. (laughs) That was neat, yeah. (laughs) And it was just quiet and totally dark. And I realized, God, we live in the woods. We really live in the woods. And with street lights and the lights from houses and everything, you forget about that. But you're out in the woods in any, I mean, that would happen in any any town where you're living outside of town. Oh bit. yeah. So tell me That's about you guys. Good. How long have you been doing this? And and uh where exactly are you? <laughs> That's a good
1: question. Well, we're we're both in Omaha. So Ben Ben uh hosted okay. with me for two years back in the day. And mm-hmm. I brought him back for this episode. And then um I've been doing this podcast, and then we did a podcast before that. So it's been November was 15 years.
0: Wow, bravo. I saw that I live <laughs> on your side. It's just amazing. You guys have been that active. And I love, I know that feeling too, being back in Midwest and feeling like everything's going on somewhere else. I grew up in Oklahoma. <laughs> went to Oklahoma. School I went to school in East Texas and I just felt like everything was going on either in LA or New York. And it was fun to bust out though. And throughout the 70s, I was I was going to School of Visual Arts and Art Center and just meeting all these new people and a lot of my heroes that I had seen from when I was back
2: in school
0: in Texas.
2: Do you um do you go back ever to Oklahoma or Texas?
0: I do. I don't go back as much lately, but my brother and I will, my little brother and I will meet every now and then. I'll, I'll go back to Oklahoma and we'll spend three days water skiing together. Oh. <laughs> didn't what, see that coming.
1: What part of Oklahoma are you from, Michael?
0: That's what we grew up doing down in Southern Oklahoma in a town called Ardmore. That was, that was our thrilling thing to do back there. And I just, you know, I still hold on to a lot of my Oklahoma roots, for sure. I finally got got back to uh, being able to go bird hunting, which I used to do with my grandfather. Oh. And, you know, out here, if I mention something about bird hunting, you know, people just think, oh, really? Bird <laughs> <laughs>
2: Different cultural uh, context,
0: and I I can deal with that. I I was away from Oklahoma for a while, but it 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 does kind of feel good to come back to to things like that
2: and uh, roots. Well, and Donovan and I we we bird hunt for for food. I mean, that's we just forage. You know, that's that's how we survive out here in the sticks. So,
1: if you live in Nebraska, I mean, that's that's got to be seventy five percent of your food is is whatever you catch in a net. (laughs) That's
2: right. (laughs) Backyard roadkill possums. I mean, yeah, whatever, whatever we can get.
0: But it feels good to, to just get outside and being out of Oklahoma, I, I been introduced to, you know, opportunities for to see all kinds of things and be able to go snow skiing. And my wife and I um, finally, after many years, we were able to get a place in Montana where Mm. she, she had grown up going to Montana a lot. We have, we found this house, in montana that we now are fixing up and getting all excited about so i'm 68 years old soon to be 69 and it it does feel kind of good to have something and and feels i feel lucky that we have something to get excited about like that but that's exciting yeah and work is kind of slowing down i guess for one reason, sorry about the dinging. Um,
1: <laughs> I love it how he says work is starting to slow down as his phone is. His going phone the phone blows up.
2: Yeah. Those are all yeah. separate. Huge, we're just we're uh, just calling projects. your bluff
1: is what we're doing right there. You know. <laughs>
2: that's
0: awesome. Oh, it's ringing on my computer now too. Um, oh, that's
2: the problem. It's all I tied should, together, and then.
0: Yeah, we should meet like this more often. I might get next, some more work. Next thing um, you know, FedEx is going to
1: come with just buckets of money. And you'll be like, oh, no, <laughs> really, right. it's slowing down.
2: Would you see some guys coming in the back door there and the, yeah, they just kind of set it on the table and then they leave? Yeah. Don't I wish, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so slowing down, you think, because of COVID or slowing down intentionally because you you don't want as much work? A bit of both. I've always kind of said, if work
0: is really slow and not a lot of jobs are coming in, I would complain about that. And then all of a sudden I'd get, I would, you know, I would get all this work coming in and deadlines and then I'd start complaining about, oh, my God, I just got too much to do. I don't want to be working this much. And then it, I I would complain either way. Either
2: way. Yep. <laughs> um I
0: was really i've really been lucky to work with some really great creative people creative directors and art directors and and just and clients man i just i learned so much from these people they brought out so much in me it's not me just putting out for the clients and art directors they you know with their various ideas and and everything i really owe a lot to that and I got to say, I, I just, I look back and think, wow, I've had a good run. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then part of me still feels like a kid where I'm wanting to do, show people my portfolio and, and look what I could do, hire me. And uh, I still have that in me. But then I realize, wait a minute, I'm not
2: even sure I want this word. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I hope you're recording this, Donovan, because yeah, there are some, some gems in there. Okay, good. All right, well, welcome. Well, with that, scene. welcome
1: everybody to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery. And we have with me, I brought back Ben Luders, who co-hosted um what, seasons five and six, I believe.
2: A million years ago, that's right. Yeah. From the archives.
1: And and we have with us Michael Schwab from the San Francisco area, famous illustrator. Michael, how, how is it going? How how are you doing?
0: I'm at this point in my life where I I um I'm kind of in between work, wanting work and also wanting to slow down. Nothing excited me more than getting a new job and getting an assignment and starting to really strategize on sketches and and working things out. I would wake up in the morning just ready to go and I would be at my drawing table pretty much all day long and, and at a literal drawing table. And now I wake up just wanting to go up on the mountain, on my mountain bike, trying to figure out, Oh, what am I going to have? What am I going to have for lunch? Uh, what am I going to cook tonight? Uh, where are we going <laughs> to, what are we going to watch on TV? Um, I, I'm kind of up on that place where I'm wanting to level out a little bit, to tell you the truth. I've been so obsessed with graphics and logos and posters and seeing what other people are doing in, in graphics magazine and CA and, uh, I'm starting to look around a little bit more now, just family. I've got, I've got three sons that have grown up and, and my wife and I are kind of looking around and going, wait a minute, we're, we're not 30 years old anymore. What's going on? <laughs> right. So I'm at that kind of crux. I'm excited about work. I'm thrilled by work, but I'm also thrilled by other things now for a change.
1: Yeah, and you better keep a hold of that uh, drawing table too, because if it breaks, I don't know if you can buy a new one. I don't. I don't think they sell those anymore. Yeah. I don't even know yeah. if they sell pencils anymore. It's pretty oh. rough out there. It's all digital. Dominic,
0: it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's so interesting you should. say that because I wanted to. I don't know if I can bring this over here now, but I'm. I still work with these. Um, oh, look
2: at that little guy. You know,
0: it's a lead holder, and. Right. My little electric sharpener that you go is not working very well. And I cannot find a lead pointer now for my (laughs) pencil. And it's weird. Yeah. I Um, don't,
1: I couldn't even tell you where to look for one of those.
0: Well, yeah, it's, I've had that for a long time and I still, I still work with pencil on paper and I use a rapidograph still and uh, working on vellum, I just, when computers really started taking over, it happened quickly. And I noticed my other illustrator pals were starting to work online and working with Adobe and everything. And um, I just thought that doesn't appeal to me. I don't, there's nothing in me that wants to do that. And at that point, which I guess was, I don't know, back in the 90s, 80s yeah. or 90s, um, I started leaning toward making my work obviously not done on a computer. So I think in some ways that helped me. In other ways, wow, maybe I kind of was getting left behind or whatever. But my assistant Carolyn, she'll scan my inkings. And then I'll sit behind her and we we work on the colors and you know, we bring it into the digital world, of course. We have to speak the same language as. As everyone else, so sure, but it's yeah. it's worked. I, but I'm I, I always loved. Part of, part of what I loved about graphic design and illustration were the tools and the craftsmanship. I I loved, you know, we just talked about the drawing tables. I loved the old, I, I loved adjustable drawing tables, drawing table lamps, and paper and uh, drawing boards, and and pulling out compasses and french curves you know people don't even know what a french curve is anymore I, I, you
2: you literally sound like you're speaking another language i can't understand you so,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> no it's
2: very enchanting it's very enchanting i'm not i'm not sure
0: what a i'm not sure truly what a modem is and um all of all of that stuff i, I <laughs> yeah i mean i'm exaggerating but if you looked around my studio there is a computer yeah. over there, but that's Carolyn's. My, my drawing table is here,
2: and there's that uh, pencil sharpener. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I just, I am, I am not that comfortable, you know, myself being really working on a computer. I, I, I consider myself an artist working at a drawing table. I never consider myself a typist. And there you have it.
1: When I went to school, the uh, I went to school the same semester, they took out the airbrush lab and they put in the computer lab. So, so like, so I like know what a French curve is because I saw them and stuff, but never really had to use them. We taught some, you know, we were taught some of that stuff, but I got in right as the computer was starting to really take over. And then Ben, I believe, was like born with a Wacom tablet. (laughs) <laughs> like I think
2: true, true. you know he's a little I, younger I, were, yeah that's right I, I was born with a silver Wacom tablet in my mouth so so that say. was the tool huh <laughs> no I mean yeah but it's it's funny I mean one of the reasons why Don had been, I think asked me to be on the show is he knows what an inspiration you have been to me and even in my, my days in school I had my illustration teacher was a huge fan of yours and he he showed us a bunch of your work. I didn't know the digital tools at that time and did everything by hand, but because I was just getting into graphic design because I like to draw, you know. And one of the things that I want to get into with you is your style and how to develop style. But I think obviously, and I think I've I've heard you joke about it before about how people try to rip off your style so much. But I think one of the things that and I and I tried I'll have to confess. I tried copying your style a couple of times too in, in class projects, so not very successfully. But I think one of the things that people, they see your style as being so simple that they you know just go and live trace it real quick on the computer. But there is such a, even as simple as your things are, there's such a handcrafted ness to them, the the variation in the lines and little things that you can't really fake with the digital tools. And those that are looking for it can see them. And I as I've gotten, you know, older and and done a lot of work and seen a lot of work, I really noticed that stuff with your with your work. And so I think it's worked for you.
0: I really appreciate you saying that. That makes me feel good because that is pretty much the truth. I, when I started out, I had several mentors, illustrators that I just thought were incredible. And I was stealing with both hands, you know, copying <laughs> styles and people. I didn't know who I was quite yet. There were a few there. I could narrow down to two or three people that that truly inspired me. Oh, um, you can
1: name names. You can let us know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. At the top of my list was a German. He was kind of beyond an illustrator. Um, Ludwig Holvine. He was amazing back in the day. And he he would go to work at his drawing table with, you know, he'd, he'd wear like a three-piece suit and work back. This was back in the 20s and 30s, and where it was very kind of elegant and everything. The so Ludwig Holvine, also in England, the beggar staffs, their two brothers. I'm not sure if they were even actually brothers, but they signed their work. The Beggar Staffs. Uh, they beggar were staffs. Tr- truly amazing. Oh, god! And then, you know, even even then, as far as new guys, I mean, Pushpin Studios really, Milton Glaser and Seymour Quast really inspired me a lot. I was in school in Texas and seeing what was going on at Pushpin, it just blew me away. But, and I. I wanted to find my own voice, my own graphic voice. I knew I wanted to do that. And I was getting closer and closer. And at Art Center, the des- I was taking design classes. So I'm studying typography. I've always loved typography, obsessed with it. And, but also I wanted to create illustrated images, designs that were like artwork and all of the illustrators thought i was a designer the designers all thought i was an illustrator and i never truly deeply fit into just one category i was always on the fence and so i just kind of decided to own that i'm i'm part designer and part illustrator and i'm not a very painterly you know i can't paint gorgeous scenes and everything i it is very graphic and yeah i work from photographs i take the photographs i light the photographs i've got kind of a little stage in here. In fact, let me move out of the way. These, that structure over there with white top is, um, those are heavy metal um, flat files, but I've got a big one inch plywood across the top and up. That's my stage where I I put my subjects up there. And if you look above the windows, you can see a little bit of a seamless, a roll of seamless above that window yeah, I got it up yeah. there, okay. And I can I've got a little button I can push and it lowers the seamless down. I get the model up there, and um, I light it with with spotlights just to get the shadows right, going across the faces and uh, across their clothing or whatever it is we're wanting to enhance. And I really work out the design there with a camera, and I just wow. use a black and white Polaroid camera. And then I'll combine various photographs that I took and create one sort of subject, and then it ends up looking—it ends up looking something like this, yeah. where I'm, I'm highlighting whatever is uh, whatever I think is appropriate. This piece really was a challenge to me because I had a a clear glass, and I wasn't really sure. My work is so black and white and shadowy. I wasn't really sure how to do a glass, but it's very convincing. And I work on little details like see where the the flow of the wine has a little slight refraction.
2: Yeah.
0: As it goes through the glass. Just little stuff like that. I love figuring out.
2: (laughs) I think I think the magic of your work is in the detail. And I think that is what is always appealed to me and I think other designers when they see your work you know again like I said your stuff has this simple there's a simpleness to it but the details just they really stand out and those that are looking for them yeah but I think that glass is a great example Uh, how do you render that in such a simple way that's a huge challenge you know simple doesn't mean easy right right absolutely uh, (laughs) simple is always harder
0: and less is less is more of course yeah. um but i i really learned that from studying holvines posters i could tell his his work was so studied and then therefore very very dramatic it's the drama that's important i i think if i didn't if i didn't go into graphic design I would be somehow in in theater. <laughs> I believe
2: that because believe
0: that. of the drama, there's something about the drama that is um, you know you're telling a story or you're highlighting something that's very dramatic visually. like
2: whoa, yeah, the lighting of 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 things to create mood and the color. yeah, that's for sure. I could see I could see you on the stage in the stage.
0: <laughs> well, even typography. You've got, let's say, a page of of a of two or three big words and several small words, and then some medium words, and you've got this message. It's typography is like you've got these little actors, and you're spacing them apart, and you're making some of them bigger than others, and you're making them operatic, and and yeah. some of them have to be quiet over here, and some of them have to be bold and really have something to say.
2: It's it's like theater. <laughs> that's a, that's beautiful. I love that uh, about type. So I want to talk about lettering a little bit with you. Donovan knows my design. I, I run a, a small design firm here in Omaha, and we're all into type. And there's, as you probably know, there's a renaissance of hand lettering artists. There's some amazing young hand lettering artists all all over, and and we have a couple of them on our on our team. You do all your all the type by hand as well? That's part of it? Um, Or how do you use fonts sometimes? What's, just talk about the typography of your pieces.
0: Growing up in, in, in Oklahoma in the 60s and seeing, you know, all of the the Fillmore posters and the hand lettered psychedelic stuff. That was always thrilling, you know, as a young kid. And I would copy that stuff and try to do psychedelic posters and really wild lettering. Lettering was so much of it. And in fact, the when I first started apprenticing for other designers, they used me as for doing hand lettering. I I was really doing a lot of lettering. Um, and then therefore I I also just like type, I loved old fonts and i i can't remember them anymore but i used to know all the names of like every font and and they were you know old typefaces too that that sure. uh, and i'm using the word type and or font and typeface interchangeably i really i'm not sure what the difference is i think people talk about that a lot but i don't even care if yeah um, if, any, <laughs>
1: if anyone listening is into big into type and fonts we know there's differences, but we're not we're not paying
2: attention. To right <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know if font just that's, means that's the, a uh, different show. Files on the computer, like is, is that Steve Jobs' fault? But yeah, you're talking about when you're talking about fonts, you're talking about before you could pull them up on your computer, right? You're Absolutely. talking about yeah, yep. which is hard for us to even imagine. I remember reading about Steve Jobs and his his love of calligraphy and typography and how that really inspired him to bring that into the Mac, but it's hard for me to even imagine a world where that wasn't an option, you know, and that, that you couldn't just access fonts so easily. And so manipulate we, used them
0: to, we used to create so much work back during the seventies and eighties and nineties and we'd have to sketch out the type of how we wanted it to work. We would use a lucigraph or an artograph, where you can enlarge things and trace them and everything. And so we figured out mm. on, with pencil, a sketch, a layout of what our piece was going to look like. Then you'd mark it up with little symbols about here's the font, here's the point size, here's, here's the shape. And you call a messenger service. They send that sketch, they ride it on their bicycle over to the type house that's probably six or eight blocks away. Uh, We wait until the afternoon. It comes back printed out. And then we kind of mark that up and say, no, we need this over here and over there. And then we send it back again. Then it comes (laughs) back. Then we 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 put rubber cement on it and put it down on some board and take our X-Acto knife and start cutting it to really fine-tune it. Then we send it over for a photostat to the photostat place. They send it back. We mark it up, send it to the printer.
2: That's um, unbelievable. So when you hear graphic designers nowadays complain about revisions from a client, and what that means is they have to open up the file and move something over a couple of pixels and hit save, you have no uh, you have no patience for that, huh? you know you have no uh, sympathy for anyone <laughs> anyone complaining well, about. That. <laughs> I've
0: become that person actually oh. you know, I, I get I get upset if something is is happening too slowly or something. you know things just things are happening quicker now, and uh,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: I'm not saying it's any better or worse. it's just things happen much quicker. There's not as much time to get things done. And it's so much cleaner now. To we used to wash our hands with bestine to get the rubber cement off, and and then airbrushing. You guys probably did some airbrushing and things. I, I don't know. Did you,
2: Donovan? I didn't. I didn't. I, I
1: think I played with one once for just a little while. But as I said <laughs> they they took they took that they took that out. It was funny because I believe the person that taught the airbrush lab when when I where I went to school he made sure that they put one in the painting room. He's like, if you're going to remove the airbrush lab, I want to, I want to still teach kids how to airbrush and in the painting room, if they want to during my years of school, I don't think I saw it used once.
0: It's tempting. It's uh. it's, it's of course you're going to go the easier route, but, and I, I, me too. I I don't have to run down the hall and, and, you know, wash my brushes and my hands and, You know, all of the dealing with with paint and...
1: Well, we still did all the other traditional paints and we we took classes in those. It's just, we just didn't do airbrush.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think going through the craftsmanship of projects really does make you think about things in a different way. Not a better way. It's just having gone through the mechanics of it.
1: And they tried to... You know, our our professor did teach us those. Like he actually had a assignment where it was supposed to show us the processes that were done. So we had to one of them, the final piece was we had to get a photo stat made of it. He actually had us write down the type that we wanted, what words we wanted, what font, what type sizes, and then he specifying
0: type. Specify. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he had us do that. And then he gave them to whoever was running the computer lab because this was the class before we went into the computers anyway. He had somebody else then type it up, print them out, and then we would get it, and we'd rubber cement them in. So he did have us do that. And I think a number of years ago, I asked someone who was graduating from the same program if they do that, did that still. And and I believe it got removed because there's because eventually they say you only have so many credit hours, so many classes you can have. And eventually that project, they're like, these kind of um get replaced with something else.
0: I had an assistant uh, many years ago that worked for me for short amount of time, Mark Fox, and his his studio is called Design is Play. And he went on to become a professor at CCA, California College of the Arts, in San Francisco. And I follow him on Instagram, and I know him, we, we talk occasionally, and he's still teaching his students to hand letter things with a rapidograph and to mm. clean them up with a white little pointy brush to nice. get the corners just right. And he puts them through that process before he really sets them loose with, with computers, I guess. Um, and I really, I think his students admire him and, and the work that comes out of there is admirable. You guys should talk to Mark sometime, Mark Fox, really interesting teacher.
1: That's well, really hey, cool. I, I do have to mention, you were, I had to look it up and I have this, I had this hanging on the wall up until just a few minutes ago. Hey, it's actually hanging next to my Seymour Quast, remarkably enough. It's my, honored. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to yeah. look up, this is the poster they designed or you, you did the illustration for, for when you actually spoke here. I think we met briefly in Omaha. I had to look it up for the date. You were here July of 2011. So just, oh, shy, just shy of a decade ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wow. loved that truck with the corn. And
1: did you get the I, full, did you get a full truck up on that table <laughs> to take the yeah, lights? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, how did
2: you like oh, that?
0: I'll show you what size I used.
1: I used something
0: that uh, was about this size. Oh, like a model. Okay. Uh,
2: and and lit it.
0: I, I did. I, I'm not sure where that you did, was. You did. You did do it.
2: Huh?
0: I've got that
2: also got this little cool dodge charger Mm. Um, yeah that's cool that's that's how you get your toys in your office donovan's office is crawling with toys but i don't know if they're for reference purposes
0: there are there are a few things in here trains because i work with amtrak i did uh maybe 20 full page illustrations for amtrak for different amtrak routes and they did want the train to some somehow be in the illustration, as if it's just going across the bottom of the page. Or and something. did you make
1: them? Did you make them put a track all the way up to your back door so you could get that in the <laughs> studio? That would have been. That was asking too much. I
0: tried not, the yeah. but I did get. I did get. I can't remember what the scale was, but I got a a small model train with some tracks on this table right there. Right there, that table. Yeah, I can't point in the right direction, but <laughs> but we set up some track and had the train coming around. Then I got down really low and photographed it and had it lit. So you know that works. I I do work to get the shadows and the drama just right. So I I would use little models
2: for things. I feel like this part of your process is super inspiring because I think it's just so easy for me, anybody in my generation, and definitely after. To just start on Google, like Google images, you know, and we maybe will doctor, you know, put photos together or make our own collage or just kind of use them as a loose reference and it can work. But I think taking that extra step of actually lighting your own subjects, making your own reference images is just a level of involvement that, I don't know, just really shows your dedication to your work and you're also then obviously going to avoid any kind of copyright image uh, issues that might arise from- Absolutely. You know, ba- ba- and, that, and that's probably an, you know a big part of that as well. Are you familiar with the illustrator, James Gurney of Dinotopia fame?
0: Uh, that sounds familiar, but I'm sorry. I, I just don't know who anybody is anymore. Okay. I didn't know who everybody was, but I don't, I don't well, know he's, anybody.
2: He's from. of the same generation as you, but he did these really highly realistic illustrated books in the eighties and nineties, I believe. And he's he's on Instagram. and He still does a lot of stuff. But I always was so struck by how realistic the dinosaurs and and the people are. And it's because he does the same kind of thing where he actually makes model dinosaurs that he lights and you know in his yard to know how light would hit a dinosaur a certain way. You know, Very and cool. that's why his stuff is so good. Anyways, that's what I'm reminded of uh, with you. And Norman Rockwell is the same way. A lot of classic illustrators are you know, would do this. I used to grow up thinking, like, why does Norman Rockwell stuff look so photorealistic? And then I was reading about his process uh, in in, in, a, in a book he wrote. And it was like, oh, wow, it's because he took tons of ref- his own reference images yeah. to create those characters. And so it's really inspiring.
0: Yeah, I had a, a I worked on the annual report for uh, the Brown Foreman Company, and uh, they own Jack Daniels and
1: that takes a lot of research right there
0: it did i had to do a
2: lot of study a lot of yeah. research <laughs> um, it's a business expense it's all right
0: yeah yeah but i had my friend i had to do a portrait of jack daniel is that his name is actually jack daniel singular
2: oh, oh
0: and i've got a mountain. i think i saw of, this on your site he's got a little he's got a little beard a little pointy beard and yep. kind of baldy and um we put a we put a really nice fedora on him and, and posed him in profile, put an old-fashioned collar on, him and and he became Jack Daniel. And it worked really, it, it really did look like the original guy.
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: But actually he's just kind of a mountain biking hippie that lives down the street. And uh, <laughs> I did a thing for Castro, uh, had to do a portrait of Fidel Castro, and I went to the store to the Costume store and got a fake beard and put a fake beard on myself and uh and had a had a hat and and put a big cigar in my mouth and I became Fidel Castro.
2: <laughs> Fidel Castro. Oh my goodness! But I've also that, been that a level of dedication back. that you don't find nowadays. That's and
0: it. and then luckily because of that you know I I did I worked on a logo for Robert Mondavi and was able to go shoot Robert Mondavi and had him just standing up against a white wall. He was an 84-year-old 80, man at the time, and I just said, Mr. Mondavi, would you stand here and, and hold hold the wine with this hand, and, uh, look up at the wine, and I'm taking his photos and saying, okay, hold the wine away from you, now chin up, now Now tilt tilt your wine glass a little forward, a little backwards, and I'm thinking oh my god i'm telling robert mandavi how to hold his wine
2: and <laughs> kind of freaked That's me surreal out.
0: he was really he was really a sweet guy that went along with it and i remember he he would put his pinky under the rim of under the the glass he'd hold the stem oh. and then always had his hem, his pinky underneath there to kind of help support it when he's holding his wine and i made sure that that little pinky was showing in the logo. And now I I
1: always hold my wine with my pinky. <laughs> well, well if he's if he tells you that's too. how you do it, you got to take his advice. Absolutely. Like, part of, part of design is getting to learn from everybody yeah. else and so who who are we to say he's wrong?
0: Oh, I've been oh, lucky to man. work with so many so many great people. Robert Redford and he's been over here uh gosh, yeah. it's just, you know, and for an Oklahoma kid, it, that's a big deal. Still feels oh, like man. that
2: to me. For anybody, that's a big deal. But yeah, man, and and that I think that pinky, uh, you know, Robert Mondavi's pinky is just a great example. Of what I'm talking about when I'm saying, uh, you know, your your details, it's it's all in those little those little details that you really can't you really can't fake and you can't, you know, blow past them. They're just they're so rich. And the longer you look at them, the more you know, the more special that becomes. I'll never look at that. know that image the same again and that's that's so that's so cool i i don't know i i feel like when you were talking about that teacher who makes his students use real tactile methods with their type and stuff early on i mean i think those kinds of practices are really good obviously for just teaching discipline and doing hard things and and that kind of the stuff that comes from that but I feel like your brain just kind of works a little different. I know that my brain works different when I get on a screen and you get, you get a different kind of result when you force yourself to slow down and, and interact with it, something uh, that's more tactile. So,
0: yeah. Well, with, with for typography, I, with type on a computer, oh my God, you can do anything. You can just move things all around. Yeah. And it really helps. It, it, in many cases, it took me beyond what I could do when I was just sure. cutting out letters and spacing them. I don't wanna, I don't wanna badmouth the digital world at all because it allowed me to do all kinds of things like gradated right. colors and you know, just putting things behind other things and and I wish I wish I knew all the commands because there's so many things you can do that that I don't even know how to do it. On a computer but i'd <laughs> love to it's just but it's too late for me man i'm i'd rather uh get on my bike or something now but um i still hey, there's
2: nothing wrong with that
0: no i know i know it's true it's true what else can i tell you um
1: was there was what was the favorite thing you've ever worked on in your whole career like what's the one thing that you're like that was that was my favorite
2: God, I, don't,
0: I, I couldn't answer that. It's just there's so many of them. And I have certain things that I am, pieces that I'm really proud of. A lot of the times, the clients that just said, just do what you want to do, do what you do best. And uh, there, was a, there was a, I was asked, uh, commissioned by um, Public Bikes. Public Bikes is a company that, that, that makes very classical Bicycles with, you know, fenders that go all the way around and, you know, very yeah. uh, traditional but but built very modern. He, he was he appreciated designers. And he commissioned probably 12 of us he picked out 12 Bay Area graphic artists or graphic designers um, to do whatever they wanted to do to illustrate a public bike or, or to to make a public bike poster. And they were going to be huge. They were these posters were like seven feet tall, you know, like like oh, four wow. by seven, huge, printed on canvas. And he had a big show. There was an exhibit, but several of us—Jennifer Morla, me, uh, I think Vanderbilt—several um, uh, Bay Area artists had an opportunity to do this. And I just, I, it's the simplest thing I've ever done, and to me, the most effective. And it just said public. It was a big silhouette of a bike coming at you, and then mm-hmm. my signature and those three colors with all this black was just like, Wow, that's what I want all my work to look like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's one of my favorite pieces, um cowboy in a raincoat yeah, I felt good about it. because it just it that piece shows it's it's a good example of just my bold style simple and bold and shadowy and it also kind of makes a statement about what i came from it's not trying to be too designy and too chic and too cool it's just i mean if i was trying to keep up with the chic cool designy images i i couldn't keep up i'm i'm having to just do what i Can do. Yeah. And for students and younger people, I can't express enough how you have to just be friggin' obsessed with your work. It has to be kind of the most important thing to you. You've got to love it and be inspired by it and by other people and just be obsessed with your work. And finding your own voice, your own graphic voice
1: yeah you can't you can't follow every style you'd never you'll never catch up and I think that's what I think that's what resonates with a lot of your work is that it's it's always been true to what it is and as styles come and go, eventually it catches back up with you and then you go on a style I guess just by but you're still there and then it comes back in style and back and forth but you're you're never following the style that way you're either you know ahead of the curve or behind the curve but you're never you're always right there
0: and like i said earlier it's okay to to steal and to copy in in your beginning days you know sure. and, and uh
2: well thank you thank you for, <laughs> for all of us <laughs> have i been absolved of my uh, design all design us, sins? yeah i mean
0: i didn't know what i was going to be if i uh, you know i don't know but like all of us, we start out mimicking what we like and and yeah. attempting to to do the same thing. And the more you do that, then you start venturing off and you combine that with this and what that guy did with what she did and then you become you sculpt out this thing that you do well. I did a, uh, I think the first time I ever felt like wow, I've done something here that's kind of different and it's just me, and I think it was it was a rowing poster that I did for my son for his crew team, and it was just it was it was a a, a rowing guy standing with a real tall oar. So it, it had that graphic drama of a silhouette with this long oar going up, and then the words "Join Up." It was a recruitment poster for a rowing team. And I, and I, that was about the same time recycling, the concepts of recycling were coming out. I did a recycled poster that said, uh, recycle or die. And it was a portrait of mother nature. That's what I wanted it to, to, to symbolize. And I was printing everything on just cardboard, just as a statement. And it was fun to just get away from clean white illustration board or white paper or shiny paper and just print on cheap cardboard. It was just, it was fun for
2: a while, but you know, I didn't want to do everything like that, but it it worked sure. at the time. Well, Michael, t- tell me more, you know, talk, speaking about style, obviously you have such an iconic style. It's so recognizable, famously so. Do you ever feel, and, and well, first of all, Style is important. defining your style helps you be more memorable in the long run. it helps you know your work be more recognizable. but do you ever feel confined by the style that you've you've created, and do you ever you know whether for personal projects or whatever, do you ever deviate from the style that you've kind of established?
0: I'm working on a thing right now, a logo where I realize that the best solution is just a purely type solution. I could get. A bold dramatic message with just type and the way it was going the way it was constructed and the message it, it was it stayed very simple and I started worrying and this happens sometimes where a client will say well aren't you going to do like a portrait one of your shadowy portraits or something <laughs> yeah. and um, and I don't know I just sometimes I have a better idea than going there but I I think I've been um fairly successful with when i when i present something to a client they just say wow and that i think that's that's the goal to get the wow. right right right
2: yeah i feel like that is kind of the um you know the benefit of being an illustrator who has a defined style people are seeking you out for that Style, So it's not like when you show it to them, they're like, wait, why is this person in shadow, right? Like (laughs) I I, I imagine that's kind of what they're going for. You know, they'd probably be like, couldn't there be more shadow? Kind of like they might compare you to maybe one of your other pieces, but they're coming to you for you as opposed to sometimes in the graphic design field. I think sometimes people are comparing you to other people or other things they've seen, you know, unless you have as a graphic designer creating logos and brands. A really defined, you know, style. So, so I, I just true. think that's yeah, that's probably that's got to be a great feeling of just knowing that when when you're working with someone, it's not like they're, I would imagine, they're not unfamiliar with your work, right? They're they're coming to you for for that that Michael Schwab look right yeah man that
0: that's true that makes it easier because they know pretty much they know that i'm going to do what i do well not only do i do it well but i like doing it and i feel confident doing it and i'm not and i enjoy doing it luckily um i think if there was a problem with client requests it's usually they're wanting it to become more involved to show more can you show this Mm, can you show that if i could uh if I could, I'm gonna pull something out right here. Excuse
2: me. One of the flat files in that office. Oh my goodness.
1: I know there's a bunch of them.
2: Very tactile. I'll be right there. Donovan, I think we lost him.
1: Oh, he's he's there. I mean, he might he <laughs> so, might be he might be posing on this table and lighting himself here in a minute. So um <laughs> that's right.
0: When I started doing I worked with Rich Silverstein, he was. He became the art director for the Golden Gate National Parks. Right, and I really came up with a with a a plan there. I wanted everything for the parks to be as if they were hand hewn, like like woodcuts. Yeah, I wanted them to feel rough, like woodcuts, and I wanted them to be silkscreen printed. And because they were silkscreen printed the budget didn't allow for it to be any more than four colors. So they, all of them had to be black plus three colors. And my idea was to do, this was a long time ago. And I wanted to use, this was a new thing, really earthy colors. And so I added, I went into this thing where all of the national, the Golden Gate National Parks used to be owned by the military back in the day. Right. Right around the Golden Gate Bridge, and and it was all military, and so for the colors for the parks, these new icons. I added gray to all the colors, so all the colors had kind of a military look to kind of honor mm-hmm. their history. And I wanted to keep them very simple. This was this poster was one of the first ones see if i can get
2: it oh, <laughs> oh that's gorgeous favorite. this yeah. is my favorite piece of yours I that was thing's gonna, amazing I, if you didn't okay, mention so, this i was going to ask you i love this piece
0: so i was at the board
2: i got it pulled up yeah right here all right there we are <laughs>
0: so this is one of those There's three colors plus black and it is silk screen printed um but one of the one of the people in the meeting, this woman was saying, well, Michael, there's so much more to Muir Woods. Can you, can you add a trail going back through the trees?
2: Oh God. I also
0: add some ferns. And, um, some, <laughs> maybe, maybe a guy some with some binoculars. That. And, uh, and I just thought, no, this is my new thing. It's simplicity. It's, it's less yeah. is more. And so that's, that was a client story. I kind of got off on a tangent. Dude, no, well, as did... soon as
2: you, as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, gosh, I hope he pulled out the mirror woods one. Cause I just, it's funny. When I hear your name, I think of that, that image. I don't know why it is. It's like so simple. It's something about the colors and the textures and the way that you crop it. I know it's just trees and bark, I guess, but there's just something about it, man. I love that piece. Oh, thank what? you for saying Man. that. I, I felt Thanks for not thing. adding a stupid trail in there. Golly. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, yeah. we have more than <laughs>
2: one tree here.
1: What if we put like 300 <laughs> trees in it? Actually,
2: yeah. that's a great idea. That's
1: so, a great Michael, idea. I now I come from the design world. So I've always seen you as an illustrator, but it was it's work like that where when I saw it, I was like, no, this guy is also a logo designer. The the ability there. So so I think I think your work has always done a great job of going between illustration and design yes. both and i think and i think that is like the piece that really shows it.
0: Yeah, thank you for saying that. And and you know to me a poster and a logo are really they're performing the same tasks. You you have to communicate with someone so quickly with any kind of graphic. To me you've got maybe a second or 2 seconds to make them turn their head and actually pay attention otherwise mm-hmm. they'll be uh, you know they're just going to walk on and or turn the page or whatever logos you know we've all been taught it has to tell a whole story in one very simple printable icon and that's kind of the way yeah. i try to approach posters as well
1: so where where do you where do you send people if they want to see more of your work do they just go to michaelschwab.com
0: yeah that's it okay and so- uh, everything's there pretty much and I do divide up my work from posters and logos. And my site is very simple. Yeah, I, I'm on I, it now
2: on my iPad.
0: Years ago, I, I told this, I told Tom Vince, the, the website designer, Tom, just, I want it to kind of feel like you're going into a gallery and you just have a big white wall and you can just pick out whatever work you want to look at and Come up. I didn't need like moving walls and things disappearing and fading and coming through. Sure. I just really wanted it to be simple.
1: Well, Michael, we really appreciate your time. And it's been great talking to you. So one last question. Do you have any advice for um for Ben on how to quit copying you? <laughs> hey, I'm hey, on it. Uh, no, no, ben, 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 Ben's grown a lot since I and he's got all sorts of illustration styles now. He's and he's really come onto his own. So I, I just have to give him a little. Take little it somewhere, man. Take it. Take oh, it wherever yeah, yeah. you want to take well, it.
2: I'll, t- I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Oh, yeah.
1: Just don't don't start
0: going after my clients. So.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. My, yeah, that, I, I, I'll try to stay away. I'll try. No, I'm kidding.
0: I'll I'll push them your way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's probably right you want to be out there hitting the trail more often
0: right? that's right i'll be up on my mountain bike saying why don't you call this guy
1: ben's ben's <laughs> gonna all of a sudden sell send you a bunch of like mountain biking gear and stuff to be like try to push you further away from your yeah. clients i mean <laughs> right.
2: these are all these are all good ideas well, you gotta I'll watch always... out for this guy
0: yeah <laughs> we'll have to come back there and do some
2: quail hunting or something hey they've they've got a lot of that kind of stuff out here. I haven't really experienced it myself, but uh yeah, I've got relatives that get into pheasant hunting and all kinds of stuff
0: that's That's the other side of the family, I guess yeah <laughs> well, thank you i I feel honored that you asked me, and uh anything for you know it, it feels good to to do anything for guys back in the back in kind of the country I came from. Oh,
1: thank <laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> i and i guess our football teams don't play every year anymore do they the oklahoma nebraska think... rivalry is kind of not the same now that no, Nebraska no. left. Uh... Nope, nope.
2: Um, things have things have changed well thanks well, for, on, for being on the show thank,
1: thank you, you. Yeah, man. the reflex blue show with donovan Miri is hosted at 36point.com Music by Dustlab.